Yeah, like like the block in with his mango. All right, everybody, welcome to the Three Man Weave. We're here recording new studio in Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania campus. We got two special guests, aspiring basketball statisticians. We got Caleb, Chodosh, and David Walter. Welcome to the show, guys. How are you? Um, yeah, so we got a little six-pack of mailbag questions coming in from uh, all over the world this week. But um, first question, this is coming from Malia in Beijing. Hey, guys, big fan of the show. <laughs> um, really happy to uh, tune in this week, and um, I wanted to know who has the highest ceiling between OKC, Houston, and San Antonio. Caleb, we'll kick it to you first. For me, I think San Antonio is the easy answer. You know, they're always going to be there. They looked so great in that series last year, but I'm just so fucking intrigued by this Oklahoma City team. Not only how they match up against Golden State, but the revenge factor, loyalty versus being a fucking snake. Um, And (laughs) just in terms of personal interests, like, I need that in the conference finals. Um, I think they have just enough depth to maybe squeak through the regular season in the West as the three seed. And then I would like them in a seven game against either the Spurs or the Rockets. In the second round? Yeah. Yeah, I think Caleb really hit the nail on the head by talking about how you match up with Golden State. In my mind, between OKC Houston and San Antonio, OKC is like the perfect mix. You know, they've got a, pre- a point guard in Westbrook to put pressure on Steph all the time throughout a game. They've got an elite two-way wing now with Paul George who can match up with Durant and then also kind of make him work on defense. Um, you know, they've got an elite perimeter defender for Clay and Roberson. They've got a huge big in Adams to kind of counter the small ball movement. Uh, just saw a video of him hitting uh, some threes the other day in practice. And then, you know, Melo just nice. adds a third star to kind of like balance. I saw a video the other day of Tristan Thompson hitting threes in practice. I saw so. that too. <laughs> But, I mean, I think a lot of people are questioning right now what is Melo's fit on this Thunder team. And I think, at the very least, you can say it's a third star to balance the pressure. And the NBA is all about superpower, like superpower and kind of like superstars. And, like, you know, Caleb brings up the OKC bench. Sure, it's a little it's a little weak. But, like, at the end of the day, you're not going to get by the Warriors unless you have star power and, and kind of, like, the ability to do something. Is there enough ball to go around? Is there enough ball to go around and – what, I, I agree with you that in the playoffs it matters to be able to go and get a bucket, but then there's diminishing returns on all three stars because only one of them can do that at any given time. I feel like at that point, someone like Melo, there's going to be diminished value on what he brings to the team come playoff time when what they want to emphasize is Russell running pick and roll, Russell getting to the basket. It is very contingent. Like The question is about ceiling. It's very contingent on a lot going right, and I think you know Melo and Westbrook are not my first choices of guys who can like sacrifice their player egos and like make it work but if it does come together like Melo is a very good spot up shooter Paul George is a very yes. good defender they they all do things that like don't really that aren't contingent on them being like the first option and so it could theoretically work I think a lot of it comes down to to like Russ reining it in a little bit and not being in full like do what yep. I want mode yep um 
and then Mello just like accepting a role. I see him having a ton of value with that second unit where you can throw a couple scrubs in there like a Brinus, um, and just <laughs> and just feed him, feed him on the right wing and let him go to work and he'll hit some tough shots and like you'll stay in the game. Whereas last year, like whenever Russ would go out, they were just getting absolutely devastated. Yeah, I mean my, I think OKC, you know, second best offense in the league last year. And obviously in the playoffs, it kind of came back to bite them that they were so reliant on that specific type of play with James Harden. But as Houston, 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 so, so sorry. My question is, is CP3 the difference that can connect that regular season second best offense to playoff success? Because that's the biggest question for me for Houston. I think they will be able to get the two seed just based on how potent they will be offensively in the regular season. But I agree with everything that's been said about OKC's ceiling being higher in the playoffs but can Chris Paul help narrow that gap and connect what they've done in the regular season to hopefully success in the playoffs down the line yeah I mean I don't love the Chris Paul next to Harden fit I think Chris Paul is he loves half-court offense he loves kind of taking his time waiting out the play like I think he'll fit in D'Antoni's system because he's 32 now and he's super motivated to win but overall right like throughout the past three or so years like you look at the way the Cavs match up to the Warriors and you always wonder like is it better to fight fire with fire or, like, you know, put in Tristan Thompson, put in Kevin Love and, like, put your bigs on these small guys? And, like, I think Houston's only option is to fight fire with fire right now, and I don't think they can beat the Warriors at their own game, especially not with the current lineup. I think Capella needs to be, like, an all-star all-star caliber player at the very least for them to do anything this year that's worth, you know, considering going to the conference finals or even a championship. Uh, yes, but at the same time, like, if, if, they, if they can put up – 120 points per night there's no questioning the high variance of a playoff series they can beat anybody so that contributes to them having a higher ceiling like it, it like do, my question is pretty much does chris paul enable them to put up 120 points per game in a playoff series against another elite team i don't think so personally i think against like say they get matched up three and six against the t-wolves in the first round and Very you're playing possible. two yeah. completely different games, um, playing against a defensive, more defensive-minded, like, slow-paced team. Um, I just think with their personnel, it's either, like, run and gun 120%, but they can't change that style at all. Yeah. Like, I don't see them as being yeah. able to adapt. So against against the Warriors, like, sure, they can maybe outshoot the Warriors <laughs> three games out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think that's sustainable, A, and I think these other teams in the West are going to really cause them a lot of problems with their versatility um, and tools that I just don't see the Rockets having, either in, like, coaching or personnel. I also think, like, you look at a lot of the problems they had in the playoffs last year, and I think a lot of the stuff that hurt them last year will happen again this year with Chris Paul. Like, if you had told me what's one thing the, the Rockets need right now to become a better team than they were last year, it'd be <coughs> add a two-way guy who can shoot threes, but that, you know, if the shots aren't falling, can also get to the rim and, like, get you points to yeah, the CP3 line. is that guy. No. Paul George is that guy. C- and CP3 does that. Can CP3 do that. CP3 does that, you. but he's also six foot tall. Like, you're not relying on CP3 to get to the bucket at all times and, like, get you free throws. Like, I think Paul George would have been such a better addition to that team because – He's still a very elite three-point shooter, and, like, he's not changing the offensive style per se, but 
he's giving you another offensive option. Chris Paul's like real value out here is making very, very, very good passes and like getting guys in the right spot. But they already did that last year with Harden. See, I I think that Chris Paul is going to be a different player this year. I, I part of the reason he wanted to get out of LA was I think to play a little bit differently. He's been so typecasted and hammered into the role in Los Angeles as a search dribbling point guard, running P and R every single time. But I think he'll be able to expose different parts of his skill set. Um, so final ranking for me, I'm going to say for playoff potential, I'm going to actually say OKC 1, Houston 2, San Antonio 3, just based on the fact that I haven't seen Chris Paul in a Rockets uniform yet. But, again, I don't see San Antonio being being able to keep up with some of these teams and the pace they play at and the energy like we saw, in, especially in last year's finals. I don't see San Antonio keeping up. David? Yeah, I mean, OKC won. I think if Houston clicks, maybe them too, but you can never discount Popovich, so we'll just see how that goes. Yeah, I have an OKC, San Antonio, and Houston. I think if Chris Paul can maybe channel like 20% of his complaining to the refs and flopping energy, (laughs) that they could be like a finals team easily. Need that. All right, next question from Dane... In Scottsdale, guys. Love my Wildcats. <laughs> Try to explain to me why Kyrie Irving left Cleveland. David, take this on. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to kind of gather an answer together just based on watching his interviews the other day because he was literally just spewing word salad nonstop. <laughs> Shout out to Max Kellerman. Kyrie Irving was a huge pussy, I'm not going to lie. Anyways, <laughs> decoding a lot of the That's <laughs> hieroglyphics that he was chirping the other day. I'm going to say that he saw people around the league that he thought he's better than being ranked and looked at as though they were better than him. And I think he realized that he or he thought that he couldn't fix that kind of narrative without flipping the script and leaving a team that will always be LeBron James's and kind of creating his own path as a player, which... I can respect. I just wish that if that were truly the motive, which I think it was, that he was a little more honest about it. Yeah, I agree with both of those. I, I prefer the latter to the former explanation. I think the reason, the primary reason why Kyrie Irving wanted to leave Cleveland was that he was sick and tired of being of having his career be subject to the whim of LeBron's career. Like he was, a, he's been attached at the hip because, like you say, Cleveland will always be LeBron James's franchise. The next year. After LeBron leaves, if he does leave for L.A. or wherever he would leave for, the narrative is not going to be, like, let's build around Kyrie Irving, let's get excited. It's going to be, holy shit, LeBron left. And also LeBron was going to leave them with an empty cupboard. With an empty cupboard. But I think even off the floor, he'll still own the narrative. LeBron would still always own the narrative in Cleveland. Yeah. Like, when he left the first time, it was, okay, LeBron left, can we rebuild this franchise without LeBron? Not so much, oh, let's build around Anthony Bennett and Kyrie Irving. So, shout out the human gummy bear, Anthony yes. Bennett. <laughs> so, so I think Kyrie wanted to take ownership of his own, of his own franchise and leave what was such a unique situation in Cleveland where he really had his career's legacy attached to the hip of someone else's. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure for me, this topic is very near and dear to my heart. Cleveland, Ohio native. Uh, shout out Shaker High. Shout out the Red Raiders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like. Oh, my God. When LeBron left, devastating. And then all of a sudden, we get this guy who 
terrible defender, but just made mid-January games against the Milwaukee Bucks a joy to watch yes. when we're a 35-win team. Um, had a Kyrie jersey hanging above my bed for the past two years. Um, <laughs> very emotional about it. I can attest to that. Very, very emotional about it. Um, good times with that jersey. <laughs> what what I see is happening just based on like following the Cavs very closely and being a big fan of Kyrie and obviously being a big LeBron fan um, is a lot of not only him wanting to control the narrative off the court, but him wanting to grow on the court where, I mean, in Cleveland since he's been there, there's, there's just been a revolving door of coaches, um, completely unstable management, mm-hmm. three different GMs. Um, and I think in Ty Lue's system, especially with LeBron, you know, he was either playing off ball or they were playing clear out, give it to Kyrie and let him go to work, which he's amazing at. But I really think like, if you look at the list of teams that he was, um, proposing for his trade, like going to pop or going to play in Minnesota, um, I think a lot of it was about being seen as like a true point guard and being referred to as an elite point guard, not just when people bring him up, you know, elite isolation score. Yeah, um, I mean, it's interesting because I think now that you say that, I don't necessarily think of Kyrie as like a true point guard in Boston. Mm-hmm. I more see him as like him and Gordon Hayward are kind of like two wings that are going to go at it, you know? Yeah, I I think I think him and Gordon Hayward are a really good fit. And they're, Gordon, they're good Gordon Hayward actually has an eerily similar – skill set to LeBron in a, in a lot of ways in terms of size in terms of being a really good passer he's top three in the NBA in transition points per possession up there with Duran and LeBron he's a good player. um but I see it, them yeah, as Hayward running LeBron. running a lot of the same sets just Kyrie Hayward interchangeable pick and yeah. roll I mean I think because I think I you can invert that offense and put Gordon at the one essentially and Kyrie yeah. off the ball but I think Brad Stevens is just going to put him in a lot more like dynamic action rather than just like spotting up or isoing yeah i guess for me i mean i I totally agree with you guys and i when i really think about it and i kind of remove myself from from the situation and the media shitstorm that it was like it makes sense at its core like this is a 25 year old dude he's in a league full of like you know really well-branded individuals and kind of just like wants to do his own thing it makes sense that's why i just don't understand if you're him or you know you're on his pr team or like you're in his inside circle why have you let the situation in the eyes of the public get to this point like why are you saying the things you're saying why didn't you tell lebron why are you like acting smug about not telling lebron like he didn't do anything wrong to you you know he came out and said like he still loves you he wishes you well like he was gonna hand you the torch like i just don't understand why it's become the situation i think you know Kyrie blames whoever leaked it but i think he's also at fault for kind of a lot of the fire that's been spiraling around him recently I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that obviously we we don't know about. And just based on, like, the general incoherence and, like, contradictions of everything Kyrie has said about yes. pretty much anything in his career, like, my thought is that he has, like, he had this gut feeling that he wanted out of Cleveland and, like, he didn't – I don't know if you could even, like, trace it back to one yeah. thing because even, like, himself and the people around him don't seem to understand – why you would want out yeah. of a situation where you're going to three straight finals. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I just don't think that Kyrie Irving cares. 
Like I, I don't think he cares either a what people think or b like if even if there is a reason. I think he's happy. He gave up a lot of money. To yeah, him, yeah, like. but I think he's happy to be in Boston, and um, it'll be interesting. But Uncle Drew movie summer twenty eighteen. Um, actually, yeah. Who's in Jack? Nick Horford. Kroll, Al Horford, Nate Robinson. All right, star studded. <laughs> so the team that Kyrie Irving left, Cleveland Cavaliers, Caleb's Cleveland Cavaliers. They have a little interesting situation on their hands. So Nick from Manitoba town <laughs> wants where, to know where is that Canada. Got a little Canadian. Uh, oh, we're international. Yeah, this is an international. We're international. Globality. We're international. <laughs> it's globalization. <laughs> What's the Cavs five gonna be at the end of a game versus the Warriors? Caleb, take it. Um, all right, you got to start off with LeBron. Um, then I've got J.R. Smith at the two. Love his versatility. Last year's finals hit some big shots that were overlooked by just some late-game fuckery by Kyrie and LeBron. Um, I've got Wade out there at the three. Performing some defensive duties and like, you know you can go to him if you need a bucket. I've got Jay Crowder out there for defense. Hopefully some spot up shooting. And then I've got uh, I've got my man Kevin Love, Banana Republic model at the five. Yeah. So my lineup is the same as Caleb's, except I'm putting Isaiah at the one and taking out Jr. Um, I mean Isaiah is a huge liability on defense. Like we've seen it over the past few years when they play the Cavs. Like there's nowhere really to hide a guy that's five nine especially in a series against the Warriors. You can hide him in a in a cornfield, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Under um, some stockage. <laughs> but it'll be hard. I just think if he's putting up 14 points in the fourth quarter like he did last year, which, you know, will not necessarily be the case, especially with the, indus- with the injury he's coming off of, um, it's going to be hard to sit him. He's still a monster. But Dwayne Wade's been playing the one in the Cavs camp so far, uh, according to reports, like, you know, Dwayne Wade will be probably very serviceable come playoff time. I think the Cavs are going to be really smart about saving his energy for when it counts. Um, and we'll see. I don't know about Tristan Thompson, though. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I think aside from LeBron James, Jay Crowder is the biggest lock that needs to be on the floor because of his 3 and D versatility, his strength. And I think he's kind of the perfect piece to be on the floor against the Warriors. My five, I said, was Isaiah at the one, Dwayne Wade at the two, JR at the three, Crowder at the four, and LeBron at the five. I think they're going to increasingly go to LeBron at the five this season down the line with with the mindset we're just going to put up points and try to beat the Warriors that way. I Trying to bang inside with Thompson and Love. You know, it, it, they're one and two against against these guys. I think they have to mix it up and go to what what worked with for them, which is when they when their offense just goes nuts, is is when they've be, been able to beat the Warriors. Go ahead, Dave. Okay, I feel that. So why not give up Thompson for Melo if you're the Cavs? Didn't we hear that deal was in place? No, that that, that that's a good question. I mean, I I agree with you. I I think they need to figure out who their five is and then look to deal up some other guys for first round picks. Like it, it, whoever can whoever can go out and get you a pick or an asset should be on the block at this point. Given they really have 
nine or ten guys who could be in, in, in a late game five for any contender. Yeah. I just don't think that they can approach it from playing at the Warriors' pace. I think when they've had success against the Warriors, it's been not necessarily playing their bigger dudes, but definitely controlling the pace and relying so much on just LeBron and Kyrie in like late game or late clock situations. Um, obviously, that dynamic is going to change a lot, but I think – like. Tristan Thompson was so important in the 2016 series that it's hard to see he him like, in the 20, yeah. not getting any burn at all. Like he had a terrible 2017 yeah, series, but like awful last year. where where you can hurt the Warriors in theory, and we didn't see this with the Durant version, but um, is on the boards or at that five slot or just like wearing them down in the pick and roll and banging up Curry and banging up Thompson. And, but and making a lot of threes and making a lot of threes. But so the, but the Cavs shot more threes than maybe anyone but the Rockets I mean, last yeah. year. You look, at, you look at the one game the Cavs won in the finals this year; they scored 137 points. Yeah, but was, that that game was aberration, kind of. They, I know, I know, but I'm just saying. They like, like yeah. For them this year against the KD infused Warriors, that's what it took to beat them. 137 yeah, it's points in one of the most absurd quarters of three point shooting of all time. Yeah, it's crazy. It's re- it's really crazy. I mean. That lineup is going to be interesting. Do you guys think that the roster that Cleveland has now will be their roster by the time by come playoff time, or do you think you're going to see some real change? Perhaps um, trading I that, think perhaps trading that Brooklyn pick. It, too. I see them moving the Nets pick. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, if you can get one more piece and like all signs as of right now point to LeBron leaving, um, I think you have to make you have to make any deal that gives you a better chance. I think you have to wait on Isaiah, and we'll see how that timeline lines up with the trade deadline before you decide what to do with the they're saying They're saying Christmas. Yeah. like Right, so trade, li- trade deadline is what, like February? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if Isaiah looks good, does that mean you go all in and trade the pick? Like, if, if – and I guess it depends what LeBron's motivation is, but if he's leaving either way, like, you need to hold that pick. <coughs> you kind of need to hold that pick. Unless All right. I mean, Brooklyn looks way better than we think they're going to. Caleb, I'll ask as a Cavs fan: Would you rather trade the pick, add a star, and win the championship this year, and then have LeBron walk and be and just like be left with the cupboard entirely bare, or play it out and see what happens without trading the pick, but keep it for going forward? Let's win a chip, dude. I mean, we like yeah. We've I mean, had so many yeah. so many lottery picks over the years that just like haven't panned out that i i know it's supposed to be an amazing draft class but like so much depends on how yes. brooklyn ends up playing um the lottery itself i mean luka Doncic is the goat but i don't like if it was the number one pick that would be amazing obviously but i think like anytime our window is definitely closing like we've known that for the last three years with these contracts piling up and so many just yeah. geriatric dudes on the squad <laughs> um so yeah, I think I think you got to go for the chip. Like if that's if that's your goal. I mean, we're Cleveland fans. Like we're not gonna. We expect the team to suck. Yeah. So if it's ten years of sucking, like Indians are good right now, Browns are still terrible. We'll survive. How would you rate your confidence level one to ten? Going, going into, into the season. Going into the season. Like a two. Like a two. Cavs fans, it's a it's a looking bleak. The Warriors <laughs> scare the shit out of me. 
And also right. there are just so many, like, so much change, so many variables. Yeah. Seeing Kyrie in a Boston Celtics jersey, I'm going to It's going to be weird. Up. It's going to be weird for sure. It's going to be terrible. Next question. Jane from Gowanus <laughs> asks, what is or who is the most untalked about or slept on or underrated player or team or even league phenomenon going into next season? David, thoughts? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, it's a good question, Jane. Thank you. Um, Where is she from? Gowanus. Gowanus. Yeah, we went there for spring break. Once yeah. Week. Yeah. <laughs> no, like New York City? Okay. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Go so, ahead. Go ahead. I mean, listen, I think that the West is very top-heavy, but I think there are some teams in that four to eight range that are getting slept on. And I think, and this is kind of a hot take, but I think – you know, between the T Wolves, the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Pelicans, like Rondo, there will be a team that makes a splash to the extent where we'll talk about them in the conversation for legitimate contenders in the West. And like, you know, look at look at like the Pelicans. <coughs> you gave AD and Boogie no time to gel, but like in today's NBA, that is a very interesting team. Like the T Wolves, Anthony Towns could literally be the MVP this year. He he put up 25, 12.3, three assists, and more than a block a game while shooting 54% from the field in his second year in the NBA. And you're adding Butler and Teague to that team. Like, they're going to be filthy, dude. I don't think they're being slept on. Though. I don't think, yeah, I think they're being, like, potentially overhyped. No, no, no. They're being overhyped is, like, a really fun team to watch on League Pass. I, I don't agree. I don't dude, think that's. I mean, just, this is my opinion right now. It's the nature of the think, hype. I don't think people talk <laughs> so about them. I'm, I'm a hype. I'm, I'm. I don't think people talk about them. I'm hyped right now. As, like, legit. Fucking juiced. Like, they are. They're not contenders this year. come out of the West. They could be. They could be. Okay, that's... Like, you think that we'll be at a place where we're like, oh, the Warriors, the Spurs, the Cavs, the Timberwolves. This, in within this season. I'm not saying it's necessarily T-Wolves. I just think between a lot of the teams and kind of that four to eight range in the West... I think it's slept on that one of them could creep up into that conversation. I'm not saying it's going to be the T-Wolves. I'm not saying it should be them. Like, it could be them. Okay. Caleb. My slept-on team is uh, also in the West. Not necessarily as a contender, but as a solid playoff team that's going to be around for some years. I I think the Utah Jazz. Yes. Um, I like that a lot. Despite losing Gordon Hayward, I love the addition of Ricky Rubio. New look Ricky Rubio with his – Sleeve. He's got the lion on the upper arm. Got the, the man, the, hair, the man yeah. bun, and the beard. Looks incredible. Always been a big Ricky Rubio fan. Um, they've got some guys coming back from injury. They got Derek Favors coming back. They got Alec Burr coming back. Um, and I see them being a really solid in that five, six, or seven conversation for the next four or five years. I think they're really built long term. Got a lot of young pieces. Dante Exum, big fan of the baby deer. Um, yeah, I see him doing doing much better. I just haven't seen anyone talk about the Jazz. Yeah, the Jazz, are, they're definitely slept on, and I really agree with you. Quinn Snyder, obviously, is a fantastic yeah. coach. He's very cool. Yeah. I think we're yeah, – <laughs> He's a very cool David, guy. David and I uh, saw him at Summer League. P. 
people are going to look back at the Donovan Mitchell for Trey Lyles in the 24th pick yes. Yes. as one of the worst trades in, in NBA history. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark that down right now. Donovan Mitchell He's is special by all Bully. accounts. Bully. Special by all accounts. We exchanged head nods <laughs> in Vegas. I watched it go down. Like, it was weird. Donovan like, Mitchell is, is, by the way, I think my number two option for rookie of the year this year. Like, Donovan like, Mitchell is going to turn heads, and Denver will rue the day they made that trade. I mean, 100%. D- Donovan Mitchell, and, and, and just imagine <laughs> imagine what Donovan Mitchell would mean for Denver if he was on that roster this year. Yeah, get rid of Moutier. I mean, they're trying to hype up this Tyler Lydon kid. Mike Malone said he had a great first day at camp. The Jazz are good. I've actually never even heard Caleb, of Caleb, I like that. Who's Tyler Lydon? Tyler Lydon was 24th pick from Syracuse. It's like a 6-7 stretch four. My most slept on... And I really took the question to its outer limits. <laughs> I want to mention a league. Pho- I want to mention a league phenomenon, and that's the secondary NBA, which is. And I've talked about this a little bit. You can really be a fan of the league nowadays without actually watching basketball, with just watching like Free Dawkins yeah, highlights. And, and it's exactly Free Dawkins. All you need is. By the way, this podcast is sponsored by uh, Ball Hub Gloves. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my dribble has gotten a lot better. (laughs) Shout out to Coach Godwin. (laughs) But we should do some of those blue apron segments that Bill Simmons does. Like the summer okra. You and 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 you can now follow the NBA and have takes and have opinions without actually watching full games into to their completion or watching basketball every night. Um, which I think is good and bad, but I just think it's something to uh, think about looking forward is that not a lot of people consume basketball as in its most purest form or just sitting down to watch a game on a Tuesday night at 7 p.m. watching a regular season game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it'll be interesting, but uh, for younger generations, is how much are, are, they, are they consuming basketball? By itself, without all the extra stuff, and and I think the extra stuff has the potential to start replacing some of Do that. You view it in like content. a negative. I don't view it, I don't view it in a negative light per se, but I, I I actually don't know if it's good or bad if more people have takes or, or or whatnot. Yeah. But it but it definitely it definitely makes it easier to form opinions that might not be backed by the actual purest form of, like of evidence. You, if you look at what fantasy football does for. The NFL. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I am literally watching Browns versus fucking, like, 49ers games when I have no business doing that because of fantasy. And I think, you know, the players – I think the players in the NFL don't like that because I think it puts, like, a different kind of pressure on them outside of winning. And in the NBA, I think the same kind of demand for watching obscure games has been created this year and even last year too without kind of, like, the extra BS of, of what fantasy football is. Just by virtue of the fact that, like – it's so saturated with good, exciting young players on teams that, like, theoretically don't matter when it comes to the championship. Yeah. Like, we're in, a, we're in a situation right now where the same three teams have been in the finals the past three years. Or, sorry, same two teams. And, like, meanwhile, we give a fuck about the Sacramento Kings all of a sudden. Like, that's – I think that's a pretty unique situation that the league has never really been in before. Yeah, and I mentioned that in the uh, top 2017 offseason storylines story to fade <laughs> – article i wrote for the uh over at sports gambling podcast.com 
but uh, next up, guys, we uh, we have a new segment this week. It's about to get a little bit uh, hot in this room. Next segment is <laughs> give me your hottest take. Like, give me your hottest take that you have in the chamber that you have a burning desire to get out. David, your hottest <coughs> take. All right, this take is very hot. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that sounds about right. Russell Westbrook is going to make this OKC team work and win the championship this year. And I love it. You don't, you don't actually <laughs> believe that, though. No, I really do. Like and that. let me tell you why. Like, Westbrook has hit all of his personal goals. Like, he's proved to the league that he can be the MVP. He's average a triple-double. Like, he's basically done just about everything he can to rub everything that he can in Durant's face, right? Like, he did his contract extension on his birthday. Like, he's sent I don't think that was actually a big deal. I don't think that was actually intentional. All I'm saying is... What's the correlation between pettiness in contract negotiations or on Instagram and rings? High. (laughs) But my point here... Small, small. My point here is this. Like, Westbrook has gotten it all out of his system. And I think he's at the point right now where, like, all he cares about now is proving the only thing he has left to prove, which is that he can also win a championship. I really think this. I don't think, like, going to the mind of Russell Westbrook right now, I don't think he's thinking, how can I average a triple-double again? Like, he's had that historic season. Like, he knows that Sam Presti just did everything within his, like, possible power to put the right team around him. And I think, like, you know, especially after signing that extension, he's going to do everything he can to get Paul George to re-sign. Like, they're on the right timeline together. He's a great player. I think Westbrook is way more capable of, like, changing his game than people give him credit for. Despite the fact that, yes, he had the highest usage rate in the league last year, like, he is still a willing passer. He still averaged double-digit assist numbers. Like, I think above all else, he's a competitor, and, like, that's going to push him to make the necessary changes that he needs to to, like, turn this into a winning formula. I really do. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know if I think he's good enough to just say, oh, my goal is to win a championship. I'm going to win a championship. It's a hot take. There are only a couple guys in the league who have – there are only really two guys, probably LeBron and Durant, who can say, I want to win a championship this year and do it. Everyone wants to win a championship, but I, I don't think – That's Russell- only when Durant's in free agency. Yeah, I mean, that's the only one in Durant's. But I'm saying, I don't think Russ is a guy who can, like, set his mind to something and then just do it because he's that good. But – That take is definitely hot. Caleb, what's yours? (laughs) (laughs) That's a tough one to follow up. Um, Yeah, that is. David, nice job. My take, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of continuity, you know. I like to build. Huge con guy. Build a kind of rapport in the locker room. Really strengthen those bonds. And uh, my take is closely related to the idea of continuity. I think the Washington Wizards will come out of the Eastern Conference this year. That is I, a very hot take. Because you know what they did this offseason, David? Nothing. Nothing. You're right. And it's perfect. They've got John Wall. He's repping the DMV very hard. I like Bradley Beal to have another big year. I like Kelly Oubre to stop fighting people mid-game and be really productive. <laughs> um, that was absurd. <laughs> that was so hype. I like Otto Porter Jr. to be average. You know? Mark Keefe, big fan. Jason Smith. He'll be out there. <laughs> He'll be playing. <laughs> I, I like Jade. Jason Smith, sneaky good mid-range but shooter. But my, I mean, the East is just so barren that I see, 
I mean, Kyrie could convince himself he's living in a computer simulation and fly off to Nepal any day now. I I think the Celtics are going to like there's going to be a major transitional period getting all those pieces together. Um with the Cavs, you know you have LeBron, you know what you have there, but then you just have a bunch of variables with really old dudes, new dudes and then obviously IT. Um and I think if the Wizards get a chance to get in a seven-game series with a potentially injury-depleted Cavs or Celtics team, that they have a good shot. And I like that John Wall is just repping super hard. And the the excitement in the Baltimore area is palpable. <laughs> I've, I've referenced it's that. It's palpable. I've referenced that. There is there's a, there's a buzz. Wait. I'll tell you, I was speaking with the operator of the Northwest Baltimore driving range. <laughs> Bought a jumbo bucket. And afterwards, he said... Um, Made some comments about the Washington Wizards that really do lend credence to the hype in the, the Baltimore area. Caleb, tell me what you think about the re-signing of Otto Porter right now. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of fucking money. Like, is this guy? Is this guy? A third I would have let this man's walk to the Nets, but he's young. People tell me he's good. Have I seen it with my own eyes? Not really. He looks like an NBA player. Um, but you never know. Clearly, they believe in this group, he and they <laughs> <laughs> and they believe um, they believe in this group. And then, if they believe in their player development, and they can get Otto Porter to take a jump, and Kelly Oubre to take a jump, and John Wall continues to be a superstar, and Jason Smith continues to you know play ten minutes a game. I'm really tuned in, Jason Smith, this year. But um, <laughs> my hottest take is that Lonzo. <laughs> Jason Smith. My personal hottest take is that Lonzo Ball will get first place MVP votes this year. <laughs> see the Lakers as a sneaky playoff team and I see Lonzo playing 30-35 minutes a game with the ball in his hands a lot and he's going to build something special offensively for the Lakers I see Lonzo getting his shot blocked at least four if, times a game if, if the Lakers make the playoffs which I think they will Lonzo will be in that conversation I, 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 I really I see this man averaging 10 points Holy and shit. 13 to 15 assists a game. I really... You sound like Kyrie on first take right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I mean, look. The guy can flat out move the ball offensively and makes other people around him better. And I think basketball fans are educated enough that they will instantly see his impact and instantly fall in love with the way he plays the game and... and, and, and the way he affects others offensively. But you think 10 and 13 is going to get first place MVP votes? Like no. John, so, John so, Wall so, is, so, like John Wall is still going to average like 26. Let me 11. amend that and let me say the numbers I I I can't give you the numbers. I just think he's going to be special and and I think it's going to be noticed. Like <coughs> Derrick Rose the year he won MVP only averaged what 23 and 8, 23 and 9. So he was like 7 
Yeah, like 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 n- numbers can vary. If if Lonzo puts up fifteen and thirteen, like that, those are MVP caliber numbers potentially. Um, say about Lonzo though, we watched him in Vegas and like he was fantastic. He have a very special effect on a team, which is that like his aura kind of promotes ball movement. But I don't think his style of passing will be actually conducive to assists because I think Lonzo is like at least in this conversation about statistics is like he's the kind of guy that will get you like, an absurd amount of hockey assists because he's always making the right pass. But sometimes the right pass, or even a lot of the time, the right pass is kind of to a guy that's in line to pass it to like in the inside or you know finish off the fast break. So like I just think that. I think I think I think Lonzo's effect on his team will be transcendent, and you know might affect like kind of the the more macro numbers like offensive rating and pace. But I'm not sure his personal stat line will elevate him into that discussion. If Lonzo gets first place MVP votes, then De'Aaron Fox is going to be MVP. Okay, De'Aaron Fox is going to eat his lunch. I mean, you look. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that you can't control what hot takes you come up with. They just kind of <laughs> boil up inside you, and then you spit them out with fire. All right, next question. All right, next question. We want to know who is a player we want to know who is not being talked about at all who is in the All-Star conversation right now. A player, you know, kind of, re- you know, Thrown on the outskirts of the NBA, who will make their way into that all-star type conversation this year? David, your player. David. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not sure he necessarily fits the criteria of guys that are not being talked about at all. But he has never been an all-star before, and I think, especially last year, that's absolutely egregious. I'm talking about Bradley Beal right now. Um, you know when. When Melo kind of got chosen to fill in the injured spot, I think it was for K-Love last yeah. year. Was it for K-Love? Yeah, it was for K-Love. Yeah. And, and Bradley Beal didn't get it. I, I just didn't understand that, and that's as a Knicks fan. Um, you know, last year Beal averaged 23 points and 48% shooting, over 40% from three. In the playoffs, he bumped his scoring average up to 25 a game. Yeah, he was absurd against Celtics. And had some disgusting plays against the Celtics. He was absurd. There was one game where he looked like a guy who you could give the ball to on the top of the key and just watch for like however long he needs to get a bucket. Um, I think, you know, with the mass exodus of really, really good players like Paul George and Millsap and Carmelo to the West, there's no question in my mind that Beal will Caleb? be an all-star this year. Um, I like Avery Bradley this year. Um, moving to Dan Gilbert's fraudulent loan playground, Detroit, Michigan, great town. Um I just see him continuing to be an absolute beast on the defensive end and getting a lot more looks offensively than he did in Boston because, realistically, who else in Detroit is scoring the ball? Um, I think Van Gundy's going to use him in a lot of really interesting ways, and I see him having statistically a big season. And yeah, I like a similar situation. Uh, Tim Hardaway yeah, Jr. on the like Knicks. Like you say, uh, Caleb, with, with um, Avery Bradley in Detroit, you know, getting a guy in that scoring type position on a new team where he's going to be looked to more. Uh, I think Tim Hardaway is going to put up, you know, 23, 25 points per game potentially for the Knicks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think especially in the East that could do it for an all-star, and he'll be one of the higher scoring guys in the Eastern Conference. He'll be one of the 
Last question for today. This one comes from Three Man Weave podcast co-host Kevin Cherry from Conkelman, New York. I know this question is uh, near and dear to your heart, so you ask, what are LeBron's goals for the rest of his career, and what does he still need to achieve to become the greatest player of all time? Cleveland gets to go first. Caleb, your thoughts. Yeah, it's a big question. It's a tough question. Um, I think, I mean, so much of it depends how certain people are always going to define GOAT different ways. You're always going to have your ring guys. You're always going to have who made their teammates better, who could drag Lonzo. a team that wasn't that good across the finish line based on sheer willpower. And LeBron might be the best at that. Lonzo. <laughs> we'll get there in like 10 years. Um, <laughs> I think realistically like not a lot lebron could realist could like do in the rest of his career is gonna compare in people's minds to like the cultural impact of jordan and like what they think of jordan even if they've never seen him play um short of like staging a coup in the finals this year and taking over as player slash head coach and beating the warriors in seven i don't know if there's a ton he can do like the window is definitely closing um, I think if he wins one more ring, that's like a whole another conversation. But again, people are always going to just say, "Yeah, six versus four. Um, he could become good friends with Kevin Love convincingly, like not as a PR stunt. I think that'd be helpful. Um, sell more shoes than Jordan. Um, and I think what he's doing, like, I think you could definitely argue that LeBron's already had an equal or even bigger like cultural impact than Jordan just in terms of like him being one of the first athletes to engage politically and engage in like other stuff outside of sports and now he's in like entertainment and he's doing all this other cool shit um, that kind of shows other athletes that they don't have to just stick to sports but in terms of like strictly basketball like his stats are unbelievable like he's going to be by the end of the career, he's going to be near the top in, like, so many major statistical categories. Already has iconic moments in his career. So I hate to say this because I'm not a huge, like, rings or bust guy, but, like, f- for the biggest Jordan heads to even have a conversation about it, <laughs> yeah. he's probably going to have to win no, two I, I more I agree with rings. a lot of what you said. I think no, I, I more so than just win a ring, I really think he needs a game-winning shot. In the final, like in in a clinching or something like that. Some, yeah. Some, yeah. Like he needs another moment, like a flu game or something. Uh, like he needs like one like moment. That's not the block. He Besides, not a not a defensive play. Such grand proportion that will be mentioned in every single conversation like this that you can't forget. You know. I've seen LeBron game where I, I, mean, I still no, talk about it. about the block though. On incredible, incredible play, but. Still, like, w- when you say the word Michael Jordan, I think of him dribbling left against the Jazz. Or dribbling t- t- middle. Yeah, I mean, Mike Mike yeah, probably wouldn't have so, called a play for Kyrie in the huddle. Yeah, exactly. But that's, like, what makes it's, LeBron great. It, it makes, like, it, it, maybe it makes him great for encapsulation. the day-to-day conversation, but I do think it has a negative effect on his historical legacy. It depends what kind of com- – if, if you're having, like, a an actual conversation or if you're, like, arguing yeah. in the – in yeah, the YouTube, in the YouTube comments of like, uh, I mean, <laughs> free Dawkins me, video. I like. think, <laughs> I mean, probably me, the Jordan I think, thing. 
probably it's really not it's not really a heads up comparison it's just people who it's choose really sides not, and then really so you know maybe a ring or two yeah. and you know maybe especially a, a magical two, moment in one of those rings um would push him over the top but um like you said i think more of, of what his goals are like is said, now about becoming this celebrated entrepreneurial figure in so many different ways yeah, he's going to have a huge impact. Well, he's going to have a huge so impact after basketball, too. What all of this is about so is, I think, his goal for the rest of his career is to fully heal the wound of the decision so that he can leave basketball as a fully celebrated figure. I think, and even last year, all of the hate against LeBron is slowly quieting down. Year after year, this year's final... Now the narrative is, oh, he's doing everything he can. He needs more help. Not this guy, whatever. This guy's not good enough. This guy can't do it himself. Um, So I really think for him is he wants to get back to a place where he's a fully celebrated figure and fix what all the wrong that was done from the decision and its aftermath. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel that point. I guess – I think that he can kind of do that while simultaneously like achieving goals that are more specific to the basketball court as well in in a number of different situations. So I don't necessarily see that as like mutually exclusive to say like also having the goal of winning another ring or whatever it might be. Um, I personally think that the best thing that happened to LeBron was KD going to the uh, to the Warriors. Not necessarily though, because you could argue that LeBron yeah, of the sparked Warriors. this yeah. whole. Super team era, like that he created his own worst enemy. No, but I think what I want to say is this, right? Look at the Warriors as they were constructed before KD got there. And let's say that LeBron played them four years in a row <coughs> with just Steph, Draymond, Clay, and a disgusting bench. I still think, I still think that LeBron is not winning that many finals against them. And that, like, if he's going to beat that team or he's going to beat that team with KD, it's going to take. Like kind of what he did in 2016, just the most absurd performance yeah. ever. So I think given that information, like he's never gonna beat. I just don't think he's gonna ever come close to matching Jordan's ring count or his finals record, six and zero. Right? He's never gonna do that because he's already lost so many finals. So I think KD going to the Warriors almost makes it such that all he needs is one finals victory above that team to say that he kind of beat quote unquote the greatest team ever, right? And that like there will be an asterisk next to his finals record that will like so clearly be brought up in these conversations when you compare his record versus Jordan. And I think, you know, I think you're over-respecting like people's appreciation of nuance. People look at records. They're not going to go back and be like, oh, well, that one win was a sweep. So we put more weight. It's the record will be written and people aren't going to go much further than that. But, but we were just talking earlier on this podcast about how with, with the Twitterverse and with the media nowadays, like, people are just way more informed. Like, I agree with you, like, in the barbershop or, like, you know, in the very simple conversation when it's just, like, looking at base statistics, like, finals counts. Yes, like, it won't matter. But, like, when real analytical writers and fans get into this conversation, I do think, like, if he if he goes one in three against KD and the Warriors, that will help his case so much. 
And that's not a good record objectively, but I still think it will help his case so much. My point is that just the way the culture yeah. is now, he will never be like the consensus possible. greatest of all time. Even though, like in my mind already, for me, is the greatest of all time. Just because I don't know, I've seen him play in real life. Like I actually have an understanding of it. Where with Jordan, yeah. I'm just kind of watching these old videos and hearing old stories, and that's no disrespect to Jordan what he did, but like as far as the greatest player I've ever had, like, an understanding of their game. It's LeBron, 100%. I also think, like, going back to this comment about him being entrepreneurial and him being a social activist, like, and even him not kind of necessarily being the guy that needs to take the last shot, but, like, willing to pass it to Kyrie and call a play for him, like, the block being his signature play, all of that has almost opened the door for him to even be compared to Michael Jordan because, like, look at Kobe, for example. Kobe is, like, the second coming of Jordan, right? They play so similarly. Like, they have very similar mentalities. They stuck, like, more or less with one team throughout their careers. Like, Kobe will never supplant or supplant Jordan in that conversation because they're so similar. On like on every criteria, Jordan just beats him. But LeBron yeah. has just done so much else besides like be right, a very yeah. very cold blooded killer basketball player. Like he has had such an important voice, like especially now with Trump and everything that's going on in America. Like he has changed everyone's image of like what an MVP looks like, with essentially you know being a very willing passer making everyone better like he's just done he's carved out his own path like even now like look at what Kyrie did he he blazed that path for Kyrie by making the decision and going to the heat and like pissing off a whole fan base to do what's best for him like he's just done so much for the league that I think like he's almost yeah, no I mean forced himself into this conversation I think what you're saying and what I agree with that maybe it doesn't matter if LeBron is the goat as long as he's this version of LeBron like this version his overall yeah, impact might be larger, and, like, and he definitely did it differently. He is LeBron. Like that will not. He's he's not just another great player. He's not. He's not. He's not going to be one of the names you rattle off. He's he's he's, a, he's his own conversation. Yeah. But don't deny right now that if in June right now he beats no, I, I agree with that. Game series that people will not be saying. No, All right, guys. I'll be saying this that. was a very enjoyable little show. Got any parting shots, Caleb? Very enjoyable little show. Got any parting shots, Caleb? David? Cavs and nine. <laughs> David? Lonzo Balls. Just Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.